4: Well, good evening fellow Neanderthals, happy Mother's Day, or rather birthing people's day to all of the uh, birthing people out there, since we, you know, have to follow the appropriate nomenclature. Welcome to the John Whitmer Show, sponsored by Wink Hartman and the Hartman Group of Companies. We are happy you joined us this evening here at your local Liberal Resistance Headquarters, where we proudly champion the... Conservative principles of limited government, individual liberty, free enterprise, and traditional values. Thrilled to have you with us this evening. If you'd like to call in, our studio lines are open. You can reach us at 316-869-1330. By email at john at knssradio.com. On Facebook and Truth Social at The John Whitmer Show. And on Twitter, at John R. Whitmer. Make sure you reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Always enjoy hearing from my listeners, especially any birthing people. Want to want to hear from my my birthers out there tonight on, on your special, special day. <laughs> it's so ludicrous. Uh, we have a fantastic show planned for you this evening. We're, to kick off our 8 o'clock hour tonight, we're going to be joined by former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, and 2016 Republican presidential candidate Dr. Ben Carson will be with us to discuss his new book and analyze the current state of race relations in America. I'm sure we'll talk about the Supreme Court draft decision. I'm really looking forward to talking with Dr. Carson. Danielle Underwood from Kansas for Life will be with us as well to discuss the implications of the leaked SCOTUS decision regarding uh, Roe versus Wade we'll discuss the Biden administration's decision to remove the last remaining major line of border defense title 42 with Laura Reese from the Heritage Foundation Ryan Floyd, the owner of fit body boot uh, boot camps I, I at some point I'm gonna say fit booty body camps. I'm just I'm gonna warn you right now I guarantee you that's gonna that that's gonna slip. A rubber Baby Buddy Bunker. See, I, I'm telling you, at some point that's going to come up tonight. He's going to tell us about the $50 million that has been included in the recently passed state budget that's been earmarked for businesses that were forced to shut down during the pandemic. And Ryan Beatty will give us an update on his campaign for the Cedric County Commission seat currently held by liberal Lacey Cruz. So we've got a a packed house. Great schedule for you tonight. And and of course we'll be taking your calls as well on the forty fives at eight six nine thirteen thirty. I don't know if you heard it, but most of you are extremists. I I, I didn't realize this, but we're we're all extremists. Uh, Joe Biden says MAGA Americans are extremists. He he decreed that from the, uh, the from the podium this week. President Biden said something absolutely asinine about the Make America Great Again movement this week. He said that the over 74 billion Americans who voted for Donald Trump were extremists.
5: Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history.
4: Yes, that's right. We're extremists. This is from a man who repeatedly praised segregationists. Let's, let's you know, keep in mind the context here. Um, now, I will grant you that there is a small fraction of QAnon supporters that, that probably fit that bill, but the vast majority of the 74 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump don't. You know, some of those folks voted for Trump because they don't like Joe Biden. <laughs> They're not extremists. You know, some of them voted for Donald Trump because they knew that Joe Biden and his party would do exactly what they've done, ruin our country, destroy the economy, and divide us. The Make America Great Again movement is not extremist. It appears Joe Biden hasn't looked at his own party recently, his own party that has pushed for mandatory vaccinations, grooming young children in public schools, legalizing abortion under any circumstances, opening the southern border to criminal illegals, burning and looting the streets, tearing down monuments and statues, allowing biological males to dominate girls' sports, and defunding the police. And they call MAGA extreme? As I sit here, there are radical protests going on right now in front of the homes of Supreme Court Justices Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. If it was Trump MAGA supporters protesting in front of liberal justices like, oh, a Sotomayor or Kagan, the DOJ would already be working on indictments. And, of course, the White House refuses to condemn this. They call us the extremists. When he said... This the president was suggesting the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade could be followed by other actions. When he said that MAGA voters were extremists, he he suggested that this was going to be just the beginning. He suggested that appealing Roe, overriding Roe versus Wade would lead to things that would like, for example, saying that children who are LGBTQ can't be in a classroom with other children. What? That's not possible. That's not going to happen. I mean, it's just asinine. For starters, the leaked draft opinion takes great pains to explain why Roe is unique. Its reversal is no reason to expect a a similar undoing of gay marriage, though, though I would support that or other expansions of America's constitutional rights. It has nothing to do, one has nothing to do with the other. Second, Biden conveniently forgets, or, or who knows with him, maybe he really doesn't recall, that he himself was anti-Roe v. Wade for at least a decade. Heck, in 1982, Joe Biden backed a constitutional amendment to undo Roe v.ersus Wade and let states decide. The very thing the draft ruling itself prescribes. The man who championed and campaigned on the lie that he would unite America doubled down on the wedge that he's been driving between Americans for the last two years when he said MAGA voters are extremists. You'd think the notion of make America great again would be an idea anyone could get behind. Not one the president would consider extreme. Now, I know Joe gets you know, got low marks in college, but are you telling me MAGA is worse than the Klan? Worse than the Black Panthers? Worse than the weather underground? Are you telling me that Joe Biden believes that MAGA is more extreme than Black Lives Matters, whose protests included three dozen murders? Worse than Antifa terrorists, whose riots did more than $2 billion in damage? Is Joe Biden really that dim? Or is he just throwing, growing desperate because he knows voters don't buy his BS anymore and plan to hand him the biggest defeat in American history in November. Joe Biden supports killing babies and he calls MAGA extremists. Calling someone extremist is not an effective critique. It's a sign that the speaker either doesn't want to take trouble to make a real argument or is hoping to win the debate through rhetoric rather than logic. Donald Trump focused on the economy. The whole point of the MAGA movement was to rebuild our economy, protect our country and our constitutional rights, and manage our foreign relations. Joe Biden has been focused on radical social issues only 1% of the population cares about. He is a selfish, senile old man with no conscience who's barely coherent, and he dares to call us extremists. President Biden equated anyone that supported overturning Roe as a MAGA extremist. There are an estimated 20 million pro-life Democrats in the U.S. Are they MAGA extremists, Joe? I sure as hell hope so, because they'll be voting Republican in November. We'll be taking your calls at 745. In the meantime, coming up after the break, we'll discuss the Biden administration's decision to repeal Title 42 with Laura Reese from the Heritage Foundation. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. second-guest dinners with friends because they're often interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools.
0: unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions take creon as directed by your doctor and always with food do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation other side effects may include blood sugar changes gas dizziness sore throat and cough these are not all the side effects of creon
4: creon is the number one prescribed epi treatment ask your doctor about creon for epi and visit creon.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more that's
6: c-r-e-o-n.com when it comes to choosing your next Creon vehicle it's all about selection 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 Rusty Eck Ford has that covered, And our selection includes much more than just Fords. Are you looking for a Chevy? We've got 25 of them. How about a Toyota? Choose from 20 in our inventory. In all, you can select from nearly 250 quality pre-owned vehicles. Want a Jeep? We have a dozen available. Choose from Dodges, Rams, GMCs, Kias, Nissans, and more. Rusty Eck Ford has them all. Cars, trucks, and SUVs. We should be your first, but we'll definitely be your last stop for your next pre-owned vehicle. And at Rusty Eck Ford, you can get used car financing as low as 2.9% APR or buy with zero down. Choosing your next premium vehicle comes down to one thing selection, selection, selection. Rusty Eck Ford. If you don't come see us today, we can't save you any money. RustyEckFord.com. Offers with approved credit for taxes, these not all qualified. Limited term financing offers cannot be combined with months. So,
3: when a tornado hit southeast Sedgwick County in the city of Andover, KNSS was already on the air providing life-saving information. Emergency crews are having trouble
6: with, the, I think, getting to where they need to be. There's still a lot of traffic here on a Friday evening. Just about every intersection streetlights are out, or not working, or flashing red. Spotters still reporting tornadoes on the ground on the east side of Andover. They say it's increasing in size
3: and now wedge shape. We
7: are hearing from Butler County Emergency Management that spotters are reporting that the tornado is still on the ground.
3: All too many vivid memories of what happened just over 31 years ago when the city of Andover took a direct hit. Then, and now we have more damage being reported.
6: Heavy hail right now in East Wichita, and battering me in my car. Anybody on the south border right now? Lots of lightning, lots of wind, very heavy rain.
3: When second. Just southwest
6: of Andover, so Andover got to take
3: cover. Trust Operation Stormwatch only on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Your phone call is welcome at 869-1330. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS.
4: Welcome back to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. want to remind you, you can always listen to us by downloading the Odyssey app or telling your smart speaker to play KNSS radio. You'll find podcast links to all our previous episodes there. And make sure you like and follow The John Whitmer Show Facebook and Truth Social pages. And follow me on Twitter, at John R. Whitmer, to get all the latest updates on the show. So amid the... Worst border crisis in U.S. history, the Biden administration is plowing full steam ahead to remove the last remaining major line of of border defense, Title 42, which is scheduled to expire on May 23rd. Despite bipartisan calls to keep Title 42, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the radical lib that he is, This week issued a vague 20-page document outlining how the department plans to deal with the anticipated surge in border crossings. Well, here's an idea. Don't repeal 42. I tell you, you know, logic, whatever. Joining us now to discuss the border crisis and the possible repeal of Title 42 is Laura Reese. She is director of uh, Border Security and Immigration Center and a senior research fellow for Homeland Security at the Heritage Foundation She has over 25 years of experience in immigration and homeland security arena. She twice worked at the Department of Homeland Security herself on management and immigration. So basically, she knows what she's talking about. And frankly, she would be a much better secretary than Mayorkas is. Laura, thank you for joining us this evening.
0: John, thanks for having
4: me on. Any chance we could do that? Any chance, You know, what? What if we call Kamala, who apparently is in charge of the border, and suggest that you take over from Iorkas? I, I'm up for that. I, would you take
0: the job? Well, if I had the job, I tell you, uh, number one job would be <laughs> to secure that border and protect the homeland. Yeah, that's sadly, that's the, not their the job. Secretary is
4: not doing that. No, I mean, and for those who don't remember Title 42, basically under that authority, single adults and families illegally crossing the border can be expelled immediately to protect citizens from the spread of COVID. In March, over 221,000 illegal aliens crossed our southern border, the most in over two decades. About half were expelled under Title 42. Laura, you don't have to be uh, you know, a, a genius, a rocket scientist to understand what's going to happen if Title 42 goes away. No, you don't. And migrants,
0: Uh, south of the border talk about it openly. Uh, Some have already tried to cross and were expelled under Title 42, and so now they're just biding their time uh, waiting for that restriction or that authority to be lifted because they know it will be much easier to cross uh, illegally once that authority is gone.
4: And you know what I, I still find amusing about this whole thing is this same administration mandated masks, tried to mandate vaccines, and yet they don't do either for illegals crossing the southern border.
0: No, they've been completely inconsistent and hypocrites about this all along. The radical left wanted the Biden administration to remove Title 42 on day one because they viewed it as an immigration enforcement tool and they view immigration enforcement as a bad thing. And yet the Biden administration was imposing these COVID restrictions on uh, we Americans and all aspects of our lives. So they, they were conflicted. They kept it in place, and now they are caving to the radical left, um, and we're hearing more and more Democrats now in Congress um, telling the Biden administration, don't listen so soon. Now we know you know November elections are coming up, right. so where they where these same members of Congress were silent last year as, as the border crisis was unfolding, now all of a sudden with an election on the line, they're starting to speak up. but. If, if security is good for an election, then it's good all the time. So good this, point. Yep, This administration needs to keep Title 42 in place as long as there are any other COVID restrictions in place and uh, get a handle on the border.
4: So during Thursday's House Judiciary Committee meeting, Jim Jordan charged that the border crisis was no accident. He said, quote, it's intentional. It has to be. The chaos on our southern border is is deliberate, and it's on purpose. It's by design. How did Mayorkas respond to that charge?
0: So he continues to say that the Biden administration policies are not responsible for the increase in numbers. <laughs> um, I mean, the guy's got to go. He has zero credibility left, and um, no one has confidence in him. And when he has private conversations with his agents, he says, These numbers are unsustainable. If he believes that and if he had any integrity, he would resign. If he's still in office come January and the House flips to a Republican majority, they will bring impeachment proceedings against him. But I suspect he won't stick around to go through that.
4: We're talking with Laura Reese from the Heritage Foundation. I I did want to ask you about that because there have been calls to impeach him Uh, Although, frankly, I I, again, I thought Kamala Harris was in charge of the border. But um, implementation of the open door agenda has been the primary responsibility of Mayorkas. The calls for impeachment are growing. Do you think when Republicans take over in the fall that they will actually try and remove him once they control Congress?
0: Yes, I think that he will he will be first on their list uh, because the consequences are so dire. He has us in such a hole when it comes to illegal immigration and the border being open foreign nationals from over 157 countries have crossed that border during this administration there are known and suspected terrorists that have been encountered and when you have hundreds of thousands of gotaways god knows how many known and suspected terrorists are in that group right uh he was he was asked about the 42 that the administration is willing to report on uh, during a hearing last week and he couldn't answer wouldn't answer as to their whereabouts so americans should have zero comfort in having not only a secure border but um you know a secure homeland right now he's responsible for that so he should go
4: it's laughable that he said that the pi the, the policies of the biden administration weren't responsible for the influx of illegals if you look at the ruinous policy decisions made as soon as Joe Biden took office. I mean, you had ending uh, almost all deportations, ending the remain in Mexico policy, terminating agreements with the Northern Triangle countries and, of course, halting construction of the border wall. It sure seems to me that not only is it deliberate, I agree with Jim Jordan, but I think it's clearly their fault, their decisions. What what did Mayorkas give as the alternative for all the increase of illegals?
0: Well, so he touts his new plan, which is not new, and the plan is more of the same. They are planning on processing in more illegal aliens, but doing it faster, So that uh, lines don't back up at the border and which then draws media attention because that's exactly what they don't want. Right. And then transporting them, um, relying on NGOs, faith-based groups to transport them to all points north in the U.S. to disappear. Um, And they are abusing and violating two parts of the law to do this. The first part is parole. So, humanitarian parole is in the Immigration Act. It's for individualized, case-by-case, humanitarian, temporary need. The classic classic example is someone has to come to the U.S. for emergency surgery. They don't have time to go get a visa, and so they're paroled in. Once they recover from their surgery, they're supposed to be removed, uh, returned to their home country. But what this administration does, what the Obama administration does, is they... Give mass parole to very large populations of people uh, which violates the yes. law the second part that this administration is doing is abusing and defrauding asylum so they want to erase the line between legal and illegal immigration and they want to easy easily and quickly uh, grant these uh, populations coming across the southern border with asylum which then gives them a tooth uh, of lawful status and therefore makes it much more difficult to remove them down the road
4: well it sure seems to me like unfortunately the crisis at the border is just likely to get worse i mean now the weather's turning it's better i, I think we're going to see influx if 42 is repealed i think that gets even worse do you think there's any chance that because they're now getting pushback from their own democrats in congress do you think there's any chance they don't repeal forty two coming up here? What the next month?
0: I I think the opposition would have to get much louder because even as the, the numbers of Democrats in Congress were growing calling for it to Total Forty Two to continue, the White House has still come out and said that they are planning on repealing it um May twenty third. Now we have a temporary restraining order from a federal judge out of Louisiana. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But we also have border agents on the ground who are saying, in effect, uh, they've been directed to already switch from Title 42 authority to expel someone, which takes about 15 minutes, to Title 8, which is the Immigration and Nationality Act, which takes about two hours to process one person.
4: Gee, mini Christmas. Well, I, I, again, I think it's deliberate. I, I don't doubt that at all. Laura, thank you again for joining us this evening. If folks want to follow you, I follow you on Twitter. It's Laura underscore Reese, R-I-E-S. And, of course, they can get information. You guys had a great article on this at Heritage.org, correct?
0: Yes, and uh, Daily Signal.
4: Daily Signal, yep. Laura, thank you again for, for joining us. I appreciate the insights. Carry on the fight. Thank you so much. We'll be taking your calls at 745, but coming up after the break... Ryan Beatty will give us an update on his campaign for Sedgwick County Commission. The seat currently held by liberal Lacey Cruz. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. We'll be back right after this.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
7: to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
2: All-Star closer Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?
6: Looking for mostly clear skies for the overnight, 71 degrees. And a south breeze will stay up like it has all day long, up over 25 miles per hour. The summer-like pattern continues for Monday, 94 degrees with sunny skies and a stiff south breeze. More warmth into Tuesday. I'm KNSS meteorologist Rodney Price
0: news i'm laura Cantor. on sunday U2's bono and the edge performing a surprise concert for ukrainian troops in a metro station converted into a bomb shelter in kiev and first lady jill biden making an unannounced visit to western ukraine
4: the first lady holding a surprise mother's day meeting with ukraine's first lady olena
2: zelenska showing continued u.s support for the embattled nation as russia presses its invasion in eastern ukraine fox's
0: paul stevens Mysteries surrounding the deaths of three American tourists in the Bahamas. Police were notified Friday morning by staff at the Sandals Emerald Bay in Exuma that a man was found unresponsive on the bedroom floor of his villa. and A second man and a woman were found unresponsive at another villa. Fox's Christina Coleman. Police saying two of the deceased showed signs of convulsion. New York Governor Kathy Hochul testing positive for COVID. America's listening to Fox News.
3: When a tornado hit southeast Sedgwick County in the city of Andover, KNSS was already on the air providing life-saving information.
6: Emergency crews are having trouble with, I think, getting to where they need to be. There's still a lot of traffic here on a Friday evening, just about every intersection streetlights are out, we not working, or flashing red. Spotters still reporting tornadoes on the ground on the east side of Andover. They say it's increasing in size
3: and now wedge shape. We
7: are hearing from Butler County Emergency Management that spotters are reporting that the tornado is still on the ground.
3: All too many vivid memories of what happened just over 31 years ago when the city of Andover took a direct hit then and now we have more damage being reported. Heavy hail right
6: now in east Wichita kind of battering me in my car. Anybody
3: on the Kellogg border right now? Lots of lightning, lots of wind, very heavy rain. When seconds count, just southwest of Andover. So Andover got to take cover. Trust Operation Stormwatch only on 98, 7, and 1330 KNSS. Live Sunday nights, this is the John Whitmer Show on 98, 7, and 1330 KNSS.
4: Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Want to remind you that if you uh, ever miss a show, first off, shame on you. You can always listen to us by downloading the Odyssey app or telling your smart speaker to play KNSS radio. You'll find podcast links to all our previous episodes there. And make sure you like and follow the John Whitmer Show Facebook page and true social pages And follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer to get all the latest updates on the show. Bombardier announced last month that Wichita will be the home of its U.S. headquarters. The aviation manufacturer cited a skilled workforce along with the Wichita Service Center as its world-class flight test center programs for the decision. The company announced there are 500 job openings available across the U.S., with 200 of them in Wichita, Joining us now to bring us some insight onto what this means for the local economy is Wichita businessman and county commission candidate Ryan Beatty. Ryan, nice to have you back on the show again, my friend.
8: Hey, John. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me.
4: Oh, of course, brother. Uh, I mean, this is this is big news. It's a, I was glad to see some of the coverage that we saw. The local media uh, Bombardier's footprint in Wichita includes – an expanding service center that supports the Bombardier family of, you know, Learjet, Challenger, and Global Business Jets. Wichita is also home to the newly renamed Bombardier Defense Facility, correct? Yeah.
6: That's correct, yes.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it's great news. And I also saw the they're actively recruiting to immediately fill these 200 jobs in Wichita, Uh, with likely more uh, jobs to come. I mean, it's great news for the uh, local economy, right?
8: Yeah, Yeah, it's wonderful, John. It was a win that our community really needed uh, for a variety of reasons. But but what it also signals on a regional basis, on a national basis, is that we're competitive here uh, in in this region here in Wichita and Sedgwick County, uh, that we're ready for business. You know, I've always said as a business person, but now as someone running for political office that we have all the right ingredients here in this community. We have a skilled workforce. We have a diverse workforce all the way from the executive level with, with Coke and, and, and aircraft manufacturing plants uh, all the way to that manufacturing base that can do all sorts of uh, types of labor. So uh, you, you mix that in with the, uh, the ingredients of an incredibly attractive cost of living Uh, great schools here, particularly in the the suburban areas of the the county. It's just, listen, John, we have a wonderful makeup here to attract big business uh, to stay. Uh, And the investments that we're making here, honestly, it's a big win for our community, uh, and it will have a trickle-down impact and effect uh, for a lot of citizens here in the county.
4: Well, I have to ask you about this, Ryan, mainly because I, I know that you're following it. You're keeping an eye on, in particular, what, Lacey cruz is up to because you know governor kelly was there lieutenant governor was there jerry moran congressman estes were all in attendance for the announcement as were a number of state representatives state senators wichita city council members county commissioners but Lacey cruz was not there for the announcement This is a big deal it, it affects you know a lot of wichitons a lot of sedgwick county residents and you know Lacey cruz was a wall and i'm just curious I know there were a lot of folks that were curious why she chose not to attend such a major announcement that, that impacts people in her community.
8: Yeah, no, it's a fair question. Uh, I've I've even raised the question uh, because w- what it does is it signals to the business community what the commissioner in District Four thinks about this announcement. Uh, so what was most frustrating for me, and I'm at the point in the campaign that I'm trying to. Uh, really draw the contrast, really, between uh, Commissioner Cruz and myself in regards to the things we focus on, in regards to the worldview on our role of government, what we believe the county government should and shouldn't be doing. Um, and I think what was most frustrating wasn't simply that she missed, but she also uh, sent out a Facebook message shortly after this. She's uh, she's not one for photo ops, that she's in the trenches with the people. and uh, And so I think that was what was most frustrating for so many people. I think we had a senator there. Our congressman was there from the fourth district. I think every other elected official was there, but Commissioner Cruz. And and, and my point really is that it, it we need our local uh, elected officials uh, to signal to the community, to signal to the business community, to signal to Bombardier that hey, we're here. Right. We support this. We'll rally behind this. This is a win for our community. Uh, in my um, in my district, my county commissioner. Uh, chose not to attend, and, and I was concerned well, it, about what she was... It's signaling. not a
4: photo op. It's showing support no. for a major employer who's trying to grow jobs in the community. That's and, right. and okay, so let's say she calls that a photo op. Then let's talk about going down to Andover, because last week she chose not to tour the tornado damage in Andover with the rest of the commission colleagues. So I get that. Let's say, you know, was that a photo op too? You know, we're paying her $100,000 a year. You'd think she'd have enough respect for the taxpayers to show up for work once in a while. I mean, it just seems like that's complete disrespect. That's not a photo op. That's going down there to try and connect with folks and show that you
8: care. Apparently, she doesn't care. Well, to be fair, uh, there was some talk that she was traveling.
4: Well, Ryan, I I get that you're trying to defend her, but I also saw Facebook posts where she was campaigning. I saw that she did attend two campaign rallies and went door knocking while wearing her official county issue name tag. So it okay. seems to me like yeah. she's got priorities out of whack. She can't attend, uh, you know, uh, 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 she can't go tour the tornado damage. She can't tour a job opening, but she can go door knocking in her in her ID and she can't go down to Andover, but she can do campaign events.
8: Well, I think it's a broader issue, and what we're asking is, what do we want our elected officials to represent? What do we want them? What do we want them to be? And I just think we're so desperately in a season in our community to where we're looking to leadership, as we're looking says, who's going to cast a vision? And all these issues that we're having, not economically and with inflation, uh, and this budget that they're uh, discussing right now at the county level, all with the backdrop of inflation and increases in property appraisals and property values. And, uh, increases in property taxes are coming unless they do something different. Uh, we have all these issues in the backdrop of COVID and all the decisions that were made with shutdowns and, and mandates. And I think it's fair for a community to say, hey, who can we look towards? Who can we look towards to lead us through this, uh, this season in our community? Who, who's going to cast the vision to where we can get behind? Who's that going to be? And that person, their first responsibility that individual has is they've got to show up. They've got to show up. It've got to take a stand and say, I'll be the person. I'll be the individual. get behind me, let's go. We'll guide this thing to a new season in this community. And when we look to Commissioner Cruz, she wasn't there. no that's just the bottom line
4: and and i i appreciate the fact that you're being fair probably more than I am to her on this i mean i but I'm frustrated and i I've talked to folks that live in her district. And, and and she is the most radical. I don't think she represents that district. And and I think people also need to not forget that she was the one who pushed for lockdowns and mask mandates while violating it herself. Let's not forget that she was the one who was pushing for all the mask mandates when we saw Facebook posts posts of her not wearing a mask and not social distancing. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the issue of property taxes, because this is also someone who votes for property tax increases and wants tax increases and yet has never signed the back of a paycheck. She's only signed the rather has never signed the front of paychecks, has only signed the backs of them. And I think it's time that we had someone in that seat who understands what it's like to create jobs. And and I think that's so
8: important. You're right. And I'll tell you here. I just I, I filed a little less than three months ago. I just finished. This last week, my 80th meeting, uh, to where I'm just taking the posture of just listening and just learning and just talking to people within the district, organizations, other elected officials. I just want to listen. I want to learn. And what I'm hearing is a lot of frustration. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that we're not discussing enough is what is the fruit of the decisions of COVID management, not just nationally, but here at home? Well, what's the fruit of this? And if you really listen, and uh, you take the posture of listening to what people are saying, they're concerned. Is when you shut down an economy, when you continue to just uh, push divisiveness uh, all throughout our community, by the rhetoric you're using, the leadership you're choosing to embody, what happens is it creates this undertone in our community of negativity and pessimism, um, and 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 a lot of that is factual because we're now feeling it. Everything we do, from from everything we're spending to uh, from the from at the pump to the grocery store, all of the goods that we're buying all the services that we're buying, everyone is feeling the pinch. So this is all on the back of, of COVID management that really just kind of sucked the life out of the community, really. And what we're looking for now is, hey, who's going to lead us through this? Who's going to take us to this next level? Uh, and and when we look to District 4 right now, this is one of the reasons why I'm running this. I just don't feel like we have the representative that says, hey, I'll take us there. I'll value the individual. I'll value our our small business community, I'll value the people that these increases in property taxes are going to hit the most, the working class, the small business community, those that are on fixed income. I'm going to look out for them. I'm going to fight for them. That's the frustration I'm feeling as I'm talking to people in our district. That's why I'm running. Well,
4: and I think it'd be nice to have someone who actually thinks that the solution isn't government. And I think that so often, especially through the pandemic, everybody seemed to think that government was the solution instead of allowing people or individuals to provide for themselves. And I think we need to get back to a state where we recognize that, that individuals need to provide for themselves and not look to government to be the big well, big George, brother that takes care of
8: everything. It. You're right. Well, this is the, the, the real battle, not just in this, this election or the election that I'm contending for in the county commission, but really nationally, it's really a battle of worldview, is what role of government do we want to prevail Uh, as we go to the polls here in in, in the primary in August and then in the general in November. What role of government do we want to prevail? I believe that government is best used as a conduit, not the catalyst. The person I'm running against, our current commissioner, she thinks that government's the catalyst. She's going to try to grow government here locally to do some of the things that we can do, not just privately, but we can do with our nonprofit community. We can do by being more efficient, more effective in the government institutions that we do have. I'm telling you, you're gonna see this play out as they go through the budget process at the county. The government, the county government in Cedar County, we are out of bandwidth, John. They are out of bandwidth. There has got to be some guardrail set up where governments gonna to continue to grow and the services that they are doing are gonna to continue to become more and more inefficient. What we saw with EMS this last year, John, we're gonna see this with county fire. We're gonna see this in the, in the, in the detention centers. If we continue to grow government and not use more and, uh, uh, more wise measures of how, we're, of how we're managing government here locally, we're setting ourselves up for a decade of problems.
4: Well, we so don't, now we, we don't want that, and we can't afford it,
8: frankly. <laughs> can't afford it. We've got to get guardrails in place. We've got to get better and more efficient government. It doesn't start by growing government. It starts by leaning government out, making it more efficient. We can do it. We can absolutely do it. But so we've got to do it now, and we've got to do it this November.
4: Well, Ryan, I you know I really wanted to have you on to to just first off, I had to find out if it was true that she's been kind of a wall, for lack of a better term. But I also wanted to just touch base with you again and find out how the campaign's been going. If folks are interested, they can find you online at Ryan Beatty. It's B A T Y dot com, and on Facebook, it's Beatty for Sedgwick County. Correct? That's correct. Well, brother, I appreciate you. You've got a, an uphill battle. She's the incumbent, but she's the most radical of all the Sedgwick County commissioners. We we appreciate you, brother. You know I'm behind you, and I certainly hope uh, it will come uh, come November the, the voters in Sedgwick County will be behind you as well, brother.
8: Well, thanks, John. We're just going to keep speaking hope. We're going to keep loving on people, man, keep working hard. We'll I, get it done in November. I appreciate you, my
4: friend. Carry on the fight, brother.
6: Okay, John, thanks, bud.
4: We'll take a quick break, and then I want to hear from you. Our phone lines are open, 316-869-1330. Give us a call. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. We'll be back right after this.
1: Midwest Kia, there's no stopping us. We have sold over 200 new Kias in the last two months, all to our local community, and all with our better way to buy, where you won't pay a penny over MSRP. Visit Midwest Kia or MidwestKia.com.
5: This is another Hartman Truth Minute on KNSS Radio. Do you remember 1986? This is the time Kansas passed the sin laws. Remember, liquor by the drink? and the creation of a state lottery and parametual gambling. So let's talk gambling or lottery. The first 60% of revenue went to economic development. Today, $42.4 million to economic development. Over a billion dollars for economic development in the last 36 years. Kansas eco-devo should face the winds of new opportunities, but have they produced for Kansans? Let's block and tackle. Sadly, money is the game, but Kansas has so much more to offer. Let's send hired representatives to New York, California, or Chicago. Kansas should have representation on the ground full time. The first step is to say the obvious come to Kansas. We should be on location with a smile and a handshake, saying, Come to Kansas. We want your business in our state. Sales is not difficult. Target the company and make the close.
3: When a tornado hit southeast Sedgwick County in the city of Andover, KNSS was already on the air providing life-saving information.
6: Emergency crews are having trouble with, I think, getting to where they need to be. There's still a lot of traffic here on a Friday evening. Just about every intersection streetlights are out, or not working, or flashing red. Spotters still reporting tornadoes on the ground on the east side of Andover. They say it's increasing in size and now wedge shape. We are
7: hearing from Butler County Emergency Management that spotters are reporting that the tornado is still on the ground.
3: All too many vivid memories of what happened just over 31 years ago when the city of Vandover took a direct hit then, and now we have more damage being reported. Heavy hail right now in East
6: Wichita, kind of battering me in my car. Anybody on the fill border corridor right now, lots of lightning, lots of wind, Very
3: Heavy rain when seconds count, just
6: southwest of Andover. So, Andover got to take cover.
3: Trust Operation Stormwatch only on 98 7 and 1330 KNSS. This is the
4: Sean Hannity Show. Zelensky's been very clear is that if you provide him the weaponry, the Ukrainian people will fight this battle themselves, and they've shown that they can win. If we're gonna provide them anything, we can provide them training, we can provide them intelligence, certainly missile defense systems and air defense systems, offensive weaponry and defensive weaponry like javelin, stingers, tanks, and I think that's the way we, the world needs to go.
3: Sean Hannity afternoons at two on ninety-eight seven and thirteen thirty KNSS.
1: Glenn Beck. MasterCard has now joined forces with the United Nations Mm. to come up with a new credit card that measures your carbon footprint. And when you've hit your limit, it shuts off.
4: Wouldn't that be great? Or if you would have bought the New York Post and it said transaction disallowed, inappropriate material. Card not authorized for transactions at Chick-fil-A, Hobby
3: Lobby. That's coming. The Glenn Beck Program. Biden's disinformation board. The board is going to tackle disinformation. Be concerned.
5: Elon Musk, the guy buys Twitter, and they already have a ministry of truth because they're
3: freaking out. Very concerned.
5: Nina Jankowitz, head of the Disinformation Governance Board. This very Orwellian sounding thing.
3: The Dana Show.
5: How is she going to be able to determine what is or is not disinformation? We don't know what she's going to be able to do.
3: Weekdays from 11 until 2 on 987 and 1330 KNSS. Your phone call is welcome at 869 1330. This is the John Whitmer Show on 987 and 1330 KNSS.
4: Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Of course, you can always listen to us by downloading the Odyssey app or telling your smart speaker to play KNSS radio. And make sure you like and follow the John Whitmer Show Facebook page or the uh, Truth Social page. And follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer to get all the latest updates on the show coming up here after our top-of-the-hour break. Stick around, former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Dr. Ben Carson will be with us. In the meantime, Brad, thanks for sticking around. You're on the John Whitmer Show.
9: Hey, John, how's it going?
4: Fine, thank you, sir. Thanks for sticking around.
9: That's good. Hey, I was glad you had Ryan on there. Um, Ever since the day Lacey was elected, I've missed Ramzow, and I'm glad to see somebody (laughs) put a challenge up.
4: Yeah, she's, boy, I I mean, I I love to call her, you know, liberal Lacey Cruz, but she's just been a, a total disaster. And and. Sadly, she's had undue influence on uh, on both Pete Meitzner and David Dennis. I think she's she's pulled the whole commission to the left, and I think it's high time that we get her out of there, and and maybe we can pull the commission back to the right a little bit.
9: That would be good. Uh, that wasn't actually the reason I was calling, though. Uh, it was just kind of additional. Um, the uh, value them both amendment that's coming up. Uh huh. Um, I've been reading. I've been reading through the the text of the amendment. And I love the idea of it, but I'm a little bit concerned by the language in that it, uh, you know, there, it's it's lawyer speak, obviously. Sure. But it's it's talking about how uh, you know the representatives and state senators may pass laws regarding abortion, including but not limited to laws that account for circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest or circumstances necessary to save the life of the mother. Um, but the whole. Regard, passing laws regarding abortion thing, it, it's neutral language that almost, you know, it, to have written a constitution like that almost makes me, it, it concerns me that it, it could also put out laws or allow for laws that are uh, encouraging of abortion. Of abortion. It, it,
4: what it does, essentially what it'll do, the first thing it will do, the, the Supreme Court ruled, I don't know how they did it, but the Supreme Court. Because it's a liberal court dominated by Democrats, they found a right to an abortion in our Kansas Constitution. I've read the Kansas Constitution. Uh, Go ahead and try and find. I challenge anyone listening right now to find a right to an abortion in our Kansas Constitution. Somehow the Democrats on the Supreme Court did so. But they did. They found a right to uh, an abortion in the Liberty Clause of of our Constitution. It's not there, but they did. So what mm-hmm. the value them both amendment does is it says, no, there's no right to an abortion in our Constitution. And it essentially puts all of the laws that are currently on the books back. It reinstates them. So like, for example, the dismemberment abortion that I voted for, that we passed while I was in the legislature, that is currently nullified, that would go back into law. That's all it does. And it, al- and it then also allows the legislature to pass future bills, whatever that may be. Now, you're right. If at some point in the future Democrats were to take over control of the Kansas legislature, they could pass a law if they got, say, a majority of both houses and a Democrat in the legislature. They could pass a law that says Kansas is an abortion state. But you and I both know that'll never happen. Mm -hmm. Similarly, they could pass a ban. Now uh-huh. they could. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it would. I think if if Kansas were to do anything, I imagine Kansas would might pass something along the lines of a of what Texas or some of these other states have done with a 13 week ban. I don't think that. I have not heard of that. I don't think that's a plan that anybody's looking at. I doubt they would do a complete ban. I don't think they would pursue personhood. I know that's um, been tried. I just don't think there's enough votes for that. But I do um, think that what what you'll see is the existing laws that are on the books that, ha, that are all very reasonable and that most Kansans support. Most Kansans support dismemberment abortion bans. Most Kansans, including Democrats, don't want to see taxpayer-funded abortions, for example. But mm-hmm. the Kansas Supreme Court says, no, we want taxpayer-funded abortions. And so all the, all this bill does, all the, all the amendment does is it says, no, we want the legislature to be in charge of this. We want the elected people of Kansas, or the elected representatives to be able to decide this, not the Supreme Court. That's all it does. Makes sense.
9: The, um, and the neutral language is that also maybe softening a little bit to, to help people that are a little bit more, I guess, uneasy about the po- prospect of a total ban.
4: You know, it's uh, there's nothing you can do. I mean, I'm sure at some point someone's going to try a total ban. It's been tried every year. I mean, this this session, Randy Representative Randy Garber tried to run uh, a total ban, and I think he got 12 votes or 13 votes. There are people in the leg. When I was in the legislature, there were those who are very pro life. I'm very pro life. I'd love to see a ban. I just don't think it'll happen. I I don't Mm -hmm. think Kansas for Life wants to see. That kind of because they just know it's not practical. And I think it's, you know, they're because I'm sorry, it's hard to do a total ban in the case of rape or incest. Those are not very sympathetic. That's a little extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to your know, life of the mother. I can't. I wouldn't vote for that. If I were in the legislature, I wouldn't vote for a bill that didn't give an exception for rape or incest or life of the mother. It'd be hard to do that. So I, I just don't think I don't think that's a course that they're going to go.
9: The big trouble with life of the mother is that it's been interpreted too, you know, as quality of life. And right.
4: actually- well, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Quality of life is not life threatening. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between quality of life and life threatening. And, and I, I think it's also hard to say, you know, in a case where you have, like I said, rape or incest. I think those are also common exceptions that many people think are reasonable exceptions, i 'm not going to tell you where I would fall on that, but I think I think those mm-hmm. are those are common commonly accepted exceptions, even in the pro life community. but I don't think mm-hmm. that's coming it's certainly not something that is included in the value them both amendment. All that does is put the current laws back on the books but I, I appreciate the question, and I 'm glad because that is something the folks from Value them both are going to have to work on, and we're going to have Daniel Underwood on next hour. And she can help call, help uh, kind of clarify that for you, Brad. Thank you again for thank you calling in. Stick around. Coming up here in uh, well about five minutes, we'll have former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson with us. We'll be back right after this.